Welcome back to Revive School. This is Tom Schieffer, pastor from Indiana, and I am so excited to be back with you today as we go into Isaiah 41 and 42. I am absolutely blown away by the depth of everything that the Lord has been showing us in Isaiah. And to even get into 41 and 42, you have to go back to chapter 40. I want to highlight just a couple of things. Kyle did a phenomenal job yesterday. And these these beginning verses of chapter 40, because there is a change and a transition gone from this book of judgment to uh, what the one outline I saw said, book of comfort, with chapter 40, uh, the, the parallels in moving into the New Testament portion of Isaiah that Isaiah never wrote in chapters, and, and he never put that together that way. But there is this change, and these first verses of Isaiah chapter 40... Uh, highlighting the fact that we've moved from Assyria being the focus to Babylon being the focus, but also the the parallel time frames that are going on and how Isaiah 40, the beginning verses, the, this this highlight of John the Baptist, and we, we know it that way, these are the verses that begin Handel's Messiah. The first three songs in Handel's Messiah that have lyrics all come from Isaiah chapter 40. Of comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of servitude is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned and she is received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Here's the blessing. And a voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make straight a highway for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up. Every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain. And if you've ever seen the wilderness of Judea, that that wilderness, that ups and that down, you can't get there in a straight line. It is a sign from God and the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's the first full chorus in Handel's Messiah. This is where it begins. The Messiah becomes a forefront, a focus, both his first coming and, in essence, his second coming. But we're going to get to chapter 42 and the whole servant song aspect of what starts to happen in this second half of Isaiah. He's moving into this kingship, and the king is a servant. That is a primary element in Isaiah's prophecies that we have to see, we have to understand. I'm just purely excited. You know, even if you go down in in verse 40, that famous verse is 21, Kevin, if you'd get there. Do you not know? Have you not heard? This God... It's been declared to you from the beginning. Have you not considered the foundations of the earth? He's bringing us in here. God is enthroned above the circle of the earth. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like thin cloth and spreads them out like a tent to live in. Don't you understand? 
He reduces princes to nothing and makes judges of the earth irrational. It goes on all the way into the mounting up on wings like eagles. Understand this whole transition from Isaiah 40, 31 into chapter 41. And he's going to focus on Babylon. And he wa- I want to do a quick summary of chapter 41 so that we can get to 42. Because the beginning of chapter 41, verses 1 to 7, the conquerors, all that he's been talking about before here, they're going to be called into court. This is in the preparations for the people of God to leave the exile of Babylon and journey back to Jerusalem. Um, I wasn't going to go to the chart, but Kevin, if we can go to our chart of, of the kings and, and everything. Everything is focused here at the end of the Babylonian captivity. Even though Isaiah is here, he's focusing 200 years into the future. And he's saying, understand, these guys... The ones that I'm going to give all of your treasures to that was at the end of chapter 39, they're going to be called into court. He's setting up a trial court against the gods of Babylon in verses 1 to 7 of chapter 41. His focus is here. Don't, as, as you go through all of this garbage, understand I have a plan, says the Lord Almighty. And he brings that across. And then in chapter 41, Verses 8 to 20, he, he soothes his servant people. I, I want you to just listen. Let's go to, to Isaiah 41, verses 8 to 10. Listen to this. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend, I brought you from the ends of the earth. I called you from its farthest corners. I said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. These are incredible words. He's soothing them. And then listen to verses 13 to 14. Where he just says, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand and say to you, do not fear. I will help you. Do not fear, you worm Jacob. Oh, worm Jacob? Why worm Jacob, Kevin? Uh, Because he was a trickster. (laughs) Yes, he was. But do not fear, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you. This is the Lord's declaration. Your Redeemer, your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. This is Emmanuel, God with us. He's highlighting there's a Redeemer coming. This is incredible. I love this. He's setting up with some of the most beautiful language. And then he ends chapter 41 with verses 21 to 29, where he goes with an indictment against the idols of Babylon. We're going to see that as we go into into Daniel and some of the other prophets, how the idols of Babylon, but here he's even highlighting 200 years before, they're coming down. Listen to verses 25 to 27 of Isaiah 41. I have raised up one from the north, and he has come, one from the east who invokes my name, 
He will march over rulers as if they were mud, like a potter who treads the clay. Who told about this from the beginning? So that we might know, and from times past, so that we might say, He is right? No one announced it. No one told it. No one heard your words. I was the first to say to Zion, Look! Here they are, and I gave a herald of good news to Jerusalem. A herald of good news to Jerusalem. Uh, Something I've noticed in Isaiah, just so that we can all highlight this, and we'll get this in a couple of different places. He talks about Jerusalem being the for the people of God, with the city. He identifies them as a nation as Zion. That whole element of, of Mount Zion in, in the old city and, and in Jerusalem. But Zion becomes the, the word and the metaphor for the people as well as the land. And, and so all of this sets up Isaiah 42. He's announcing salvation and deliverance for Israel, and he's going to send his servant who's going to be empowered and gifted by the Holy Spirit. This is an introduction into a section of what is known as the servant songs of Isaiah. This is the first one in verse uh, 1 of 42 begins it, the first of four servant songs. All four of these songs describe the service the suffering and the exaltation of the servant of the Lord, the Messiah. He really starts to focus on the Messiah and how the Messiah is to be God's meek, gentle servant, but with all sorts of power. When we miss out on this, we miss how God was laying this foundation because even though he's meek, even though he's gentle, he's still a royal figure representing Israel in its ideal form. He's the high priest atoning for the sins of the world. We're going to see this. There's royal terminology all the way through these songs and chapter 42 becoming and starting with the first of them. But in the terminology of the ancient Near East, a servant was a trusted envoy, a confidential representative, one who was chosen. The four servant songs for today, we're going to look at 42 verses 1 to 9, just so you can identify and track with them. Then Isaiah 49 verses 1 to 13, which we'll hit and highlight on Sunday. And then going into next week, Isaiah 50 verses 4 to 11. And most famously, Isaiah 52 verse 13 through all of Isaiah 53. That's the most powerful climax, the incredible jewel of all these servant songs, and so, so powerful. One thing also I want you to see, to even learn the language of Isaiah, and I I had to get my brain around this because there's times that he identifies God's servant as the nation of Israel, uh, a couple different times, even even in our, our passage today. And other times, it is talking about his servant, my servant, focusing on the Messiah. Uh, so sometimes, as one author talked about, his chosen servant people are his servants. And other times, it is the, the servant king, my servant. Uh, the Messiah who is to come. And we just have to realize that from the context, but it gets really pretty interesting. Uh, and the reason why 
Here we got the servant people. They sometimes forgot their mission. They sometimes turned blind and deaf. We're going to see that in chapter 42 at the end. Uh, sometimes they're in need of God's forgiveness in chapter 44. Israel fails, but by contrast, God's servant, the Messiah, is going to faithfully complete all the work that he was given to do. So, we even see this. Uh, go to Acts chapter 3, verse 13. Peter is preaching. And Peter even uses this terminology. Notice how he begins this, this verse here. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. Even Peter is picking up on that verbiage and that identification and the reference that Jesus is the servant of God. Um, and as Peter's doing this in Acts, it's going to bring back all of these implications from Isaiah 42. So let's get to Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 9, the first of the four servant songs, and we're going to kind of walk this through. This is great. This is my servant. I will strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. Let's, let's, go, let's rest there for a second. Uh, Jesus even says this, uh, Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28. It's also recorded in Mark chapter 10, but here's Matthew 20 to 28, 25 to 28. Jesus called them over and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles dominate them, and the men of high position exercise power over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Even Jesus highlights this. Isaiah sees it way back in the 600 BCs, and here is Jesus even articulating this, I am this servant. The, the beauty of where we're at in Isaiah is we're going to start seeing gospel imagery, gospel wording that Jesus is going to bring up, that Peter is going to bring up, that Paul is going to bring up all the way through the New Testament. That's why we see all of this. And God's command to his people and the overriding theme and the purpose of this entire Bible is kind of summed up here. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. They've, they've just watched Assyria just totally destroy. They're now focused on what's going to happen with Babylon. And as, as Isaiah gains credence over the next 200 years, they're going to see this. But notice, I've put my spirit on him. He's going to bring justice to the nations. Isn't this really kind of cool? Because it reminds us of John the Baptist when he first saw Jesus. What did he say? John chapter 1, verse 29. When John the Baptist, who we just talked about in Isaiah 40, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then even how John testifies a few verses later, verse 32, this element of the Spirit being on him, and John testified, I watched the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. 
It's fulfillment of what Isaiah is talking about here for us. I, I can't believe this. This is just, it, I gotta be honest. These two chapters that I get to teach this week are just such a blessing to me because I've referenced them before in my teaching and in my pastoral ministry. Uh, I've focused on Isaiah 53 a couple different times, but I have never taught Isaiah chapter 42 or Isaiah chapter 49. And I got to tell you, it's blessed me in ways beyond all imagination and how I see how God was setting everything up about Jesus. And this is important in a mission standpoint, and we'll get to that here in a second. Verse 2 of Isaiah 42. He will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. Okay, guys, where is this sounding like in the gospel accounts? Well, when Christ is is being uh, judged wrongly, he doesn't say anything back. No, he doesn't shout. He doesn't cry out. He doesn't say, this isn't right. This isn't, it's... It's the Spirit of God on him, and it's beautiful. Verse 3, he will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick. He will faithfully bring justice. This is an incredible, marvelous verse that every time I've read through Isaiah 42, I went whipping through. But notice, this is about his caring nature. He's not going to just extinguish us or throw us away. He's not going to break a bruised reed in the midst of our bruising. He's not going to break us. He wants to restore. He's not going to put out that smoldering wick where our our flame is, is weak and where we're weary. No, he's going to turn that around and he's going to faithfully bring justice. Notice in verse 4 that he carries that on. He will not grow weak or discouraged until he has established justice on earth. The islands will wait for his instructions. He's never, ever going to give up. There's never, ever going to be a time when Jesus is going to say, I'm going to give up on you. He wants to restore you. And he's established justice on the earth. And stop here. These four verses are important from this. This is an important catch. Matthew chapter 12, verses 16 to 21, actually quotes these four verses of Isaiah. Matthew wants to make sure that we understand that what Matthew is recording in his gospel is a fulfillment of the prophecies of Isaiah. He warned them not to make him known. So that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And then he goes, here is my servant whom I've chosen. My beloved in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not argue or shout and no one will hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed and he will not put out a smoldering wick until he has led justice to victory. The nations will put their hope in his name. This is, this is powerful. This passage, this prophecy of Isaiah was about Jesus. Now look at this. This is great. Verse 5, going back to 42. This is what the Lord says. Who created the heavens and stretched them out. Who spread out the earth and what comes from it. Who gives breath to the people on it and life to those who walk in it. This is fun. 
This is the promise of the ministry that's going on. David Gusick uh, did this thing. He said, look at this verse. Who created the heavens stretched them out. Take a look up. Take a look up at all of what God created in the heavens and how he stretched it out. Then he says, look down. Here is spread out over the whole earth, everything that comes in it. And then he says, look in the mirror who gives breath to the people on it and life to those who walk on it. It covers everything about the promises of my servant, Emmanuel, God with us. I, Yahweh, verse 6 of Isaiah 42, I, the Lord, have called you for a righteous purpose. And I will hold you by your hand. I will keep you and appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations. This is, this is great. What does this sound like, guys? I, the Lord, have called you. I will keep you by your hand. I will keep you and appoint you to be a covenant for the people. A light for the nations. What's this sound like? Well, a little bit it sounds like Abraham's call. There it is. It's Abraham. It's, it, it's everything. It's freedom. Uh, don't miss this. And it goes even into verse 7. Look at this. In order to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those sitting in darkness from the prison house. He's going to free the prisoner. He's going to bring healing and health. This is a recap. This is a restatement. This is why from out of Israel comes the Messiah, who's going to be a light for the nations, opening blind eyes, freeing prisoners, releasing those who are living in spiritual darkness. This is my servant. This is the Messiah. This is Emmanuel. God with us. I want you to know, I don't care how deep a captivity you're in, in whatever kind of captivity you're in, keep hanging in there because my word is true. Everything we saw in Isaiah that he talked about in all the prophecies in the first 39 chapters, he has built credibility and now God is speaking through him through the Holy Spirit saying, I've got this and I've written it and it's going to happen. But it's not done yet. Verse 8. This servant song keeps going. I am Yahweh. Here's that, 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 the name of God, the tetragrammaton, you know, the four consonants of YHWH or YHVH, however it is. This is the holy name of God. This is the I am. That is my name. Even as he said it back in, in, to Moses. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. It's, in, it's important for us to understand that Jesus, the servant, the servant, my servant, says God, the Messiah, that Jesus shares in the glory of the Father. John chapter 17, verse 5. He's praying. This is the famous prayer of Jesus in chapter 17 of John, verse 5. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. He's understanding, he's showing that if God the Son and God the Father each share the glory and the Lord shares his glory with no one, it means that the Father and the Son are the Lord God. Here is part of this joining together of one God, three persons, because the Spirit rests on him. It all comes together and there is consistency in Scripture we got to keep moving because there's so much more here. Verse 9 of 42. The past events have indeed happened. Ta-da! Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Kind of like a no-brainer. Now I declare new events. 
I announce them to you before they occur. He's God of the future. He's God of the past. He's totally got the present, totally under control. Here's the clear teaching of the New Testament, that Jesus Christ is the servant and the servant song prophecies. He's bringing it all together. I have done it. Here's why this is an important mission point. I didn't know this before, and there are are scholars that are much better at this. But here's the mission point of why we need to understand and show in verses 1 through 9 of Isaiah 42 that Jesus is my servant. Here it is. Muslim scholars argue that this passage, these nine verses, prove it is a prophecy of Muhammad. They articulate that. You, as a follower of Jesus Christ, me, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to understand all the connections and why this points to Jesus. This is a mission point. This is talking about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That's why it's a servant song. That's why it's a prophetic word, even from Isaiah. And to cap that off, he says, after I've given all of this, I want to sing a song, a hymn of praise. This is a hymn of triumph. It's almost a a concluding hymn to these, these first nine verses of this chapter. Just listen to the word of God. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing his praise to the ends of the earth. All you who go down to the sea with all that fills it, you islands with your inhabitants, let the deserts and its cities shout. The settlements where Kedar dwells cry aloud. Let the inhabitants of Selah sing for joy. Let them cry out from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the islands. The Lord advances like a warrior. He stirs up his zeal like a soldier. He shouts. He roars aloud. He prevails over his enemies. This is the Lord. This is a pointing to that all of the stuff, all of the hard stuff, all of the garbage that's gone on, all of the captivity that is to come, all of the captivity that is in us is going to be set free. By Emmanuel, God with us. We're going to be set free by the one who fights for us. The one who delivers us in the battle. The one who is God's servant. My servant. Who's going to face all of the thorns. Gain the crown. And place us in a place beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing praise to the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it, you islands with all your inhabitants, sing to the Lord. He's not done in chapter 42, but that really ends the servant song. Verses 14 to 17. Understand this. The Lord's going to bring judgment against all who serve false gods. He has shown you the true God. He has shown you what it's all about. He's going to bring judgment on all those who serve false gods. So don't think that the judgment stuff in Isaiah is done. And then in verses 18 to 20, 
the deaf and the blind come to the servant because Israel, he's talking about you. Listen, you deaf, look, you blind. Who is blind? Look, you blind, so that you may see. And he goes on, who is blind but my servant? Or deaf like my messenger I am sending? Who is blind like my dedicated one? Or blind like the servant of the Lord? Though seeing many things you did not obey, though his ears are open, he does not listen. But the Lord's not done. Because as he closes out chapter 42, the Lord defends his defrauded people. And he is going to bring them back. Because he's not done with them. And he's not done with us. This is the beginning of the book of comfort in Isaiah. The New Testament portion, as it were. Where we really see the Messiah, but he's also focusing on all that God has for us. Let's get ready because there's more coming tomorrow.